You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 292, Developing a Christian Worldview, Part 3. And actually today the subtitle would be Applying a Biblical Worldview. We've been talking about over the last couple of episodes the, the seeming lack of a Christian or a biblical worldview in sadly too many segments of Christianity. And just a quick recap, we talked about the fact that a worldview is something that we all have. However, the the danger is, and what seems to be the case in too many people's lives, is, is they compartmentalize different areas of their life. They have the Christian worldview, or they have their, their Christian part of their life, they have the work part of their life, the family, their friends, relationships, whatever, but they don't overlap. And, and, and in reality... Our faith should be the lens that we view every area of our life through. We can't really separate and compartmentalize our lives and go, okay, my work life, that's what I do Monday to Friday, but then on Sunday I go to church, and you know we, we, we tend to want to separate them, but in reality we should live every moment of our life, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, to the glory of God. And so we're, we're talking about developing and how to develop a Christian worldview. And last week we looked at some of the really important components of what a, a worldview is and how we develop our Christian or biblical worldview. And today I want to take us a little further. I want to talk about how we actually apply that worldview. And we're going to look at um, one particular thing, but um, the, the principle that I'm going to share really can be applied uh, in a number of different areas. Um, you know, the fact is our identity is shaped by what our worldview is. If I've got a secular worldview, that's going to shape my identity. It's going to shape my values. It's going to shape the way that I live my life for good or bad. A Christian worldview provides us with a framework for decision-making and also helps us to understand history. It also helps us to understand what's going on around us. You know, this is this is an interesting time. You know, I'm recording this in November of 2020. Uh, tomorrow's the election. And obviously this has been a very controversial, a very um, explosive and intense time. Um, but, you know, essentially it comes down to two different worldviews. And, you know, this has been a difficult time for, uh, for, for in, in many reasons. You know, we've had racial issues this year. Obviously, COVID's been the big story, uh, the COVID-19 virus. And so there's just a lot of things going along, uh, you know, going around. But the reality is, too often I'm talking to people that are viewing things through natural eyes, through a secular worldview, instead of really asking, well, what does God have to say about this? What does the Bible have to say as a Christian how should I view some of these issues? Um, 
you know, and, and, and sadly, our worldview can become diluted. Um, Dale Tackett, who's with Focus on the Family, says this, you know, the big problem is this, non-biblical worldview ideas don't just sit in a book waiting for people to examine them. No, what happens is they bombard us constantly from television, film, music, newspapers, magazines, book, and academia. I love the, the, the way he phrases that. We're bombarded. We are bombarded by non-Christian worldviews, non-Christian values. Everywhere we turn, we see non-Christian values. In fact, it can very easily dilute and really compromise our faith if we're not careful. And, and it just it happens to all of us. I find myself sometimes becoming desensitized to, to some of the things that, that, that are just all around us just because it becomes so normal. And then Tackett continues, because we live in a selfish, fallen world, these ideas seductively appeal to the desires of our flesh, and we often end up incorporating them into our personal worldview. Sadly, we often do this without even knowing it. You know, just a, a quick example. Uh, recently, I was talking to a friend, and and we were, were talking about uh, something, and talking about a football game, and he said, you know, this commercial came on. It was a beer commercial, and I had my five-year-old son sitting watching the commercial with me, and I realized it was wildly inappropriate for him to be watching, and I and I, and I felt really uncomfortable, and so I, you know, distracted him, and um, you know, until the, the the commercial went off, and you know, I got to thinking. I've watched this same commercial over and over again, and I realized he's exactly right. But I had gotten desensitized to it, and it really is the the values that are the, the things they're talking about in the commercial. Yeah, it can be funny. Beer commercials are great for humor, but it really was very risque and and, and something that was uh, you know something that really nobody should be laughing at, especially a Christian. So, anyway, something to kind of kind of be aware of is the fact that our worldviews can easily get diluted. All right, well, don't go away. We'll be right back. But I want to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Miracles in Mark, and the course that goes along with it. Uh, Miracles in Mark actually was one of my top-selling books this last year. And uh, it's, it's a great, great study on the Gospel of Mark, examining all the miracles and supernatural events in that powerful Gospel. And I, I wrote the book to, to, for personal Bible study, but also for group study. A lot of people have used it in small group settings. It's a great tool to really take us deeper into God's Word. You know, we're talking about developing a biblical worldview. Well, this is this is a great tool to help you with that. And if you really want to take it even further, take a look at my, my course on Miracles in Mark. It's a, it's a video course. There's over 20 uh, short videos that, that go along with the, the, the book. There's questions. There's um, some great material there that you can use for your own enrichment or in a small group setting. So Miracles in Mark continues to sell, continues to, to touch people and help people. So I hope you'll check it out. <clears throat> well, all right, we're back. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull one issue from the news 
And obviously there's so many we could pull, and I'm pulling one that's definitely a hot-button item. But I want to talk about what a Christian worldview looks like when we view this particular issue through the filter of Scripture. I'm going to talk about abortion. And just first off, if if you've had an abortion or you know somebody that has, this is not meant to be condemning in any way. I've got friends, women who have who have had had abortions, and you know they're, they've had God heal them. They've um, they're, they've dealt with it as much as you can. They're dealing with it, and you know they've experienced God's grace. And so this is not meant to condemn in any way, shape, or form. But just because somebody's had it doesn't mean that's something we're, you know we're not going to talk about, and it's it's too important an issue not to um, look at. And so, because it's such a big issue, I think this is a great one for us to just kind of use as an example on examining what 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 does the Bible say, and then what what should a Christian's view towards abortion be? Um, obviously, on the other side, and sadly, even in some cases, I hear people who are pastors and people who would call themselves Christians saying that, um, you know, uh, abortion is is really not that big of a deal, um, that I don't even know how you wrap your head around that. But you find people who, obviously, it's a big business because you've got Planned Parenthood that aborts, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of babies a year. And in some settings in our in our country, in the U.S., uh, some states are allowing abortion really right up to the time of delivery. And so, obviously, this is something worth looking at. Now, I want to just give, we're going to look at three passages of Scripture. And just as a place to start, remember what we're talking about when we talk about our, the worldview is, if we're going to talk about abortion, if this is the the, the particular issue that we're going to deal with, what does the Scripture say? And then, how do I view this through the lens of Scripture? And the first passage I'm going to use is from Psalm 139, verses 13 to 17. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them. And that's from Psalm 139, verses 13 to 17. Now, when you read this passage of Scripture... You're, you're struck by the fact that the writer, and in this case it's uh, David, the psalmist, and he sees God working in this unborn child. There's no question in his mind that this is actually a life. There's no question in his mind that God is involved in this process. And he talks about the fact that, that he's uh, being made in secret. It's an ongoing process as that baby develops within the mother's womb. And the fact that God is, is well aware of what's going on. God's intimately acquainted with that child in the womb. And you see, even looking forward, he says, talks about the days that were formed for me. 
before 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 I was even born that you 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 were looking forward to the days in your book it says every one of them the days that were formed for me so there's this idea of a destiny for this unborn child and you know this is a powerful powerful passage of scripture um to to share with somebody who's contemplating abortion because there is a purpose for that baby they might have been a in their mom's mind or dad's mind they might have been an accident but in God's heart, in God's mind, there's no accidents. God has a plan for this child. So pass it, powerful passage of Scripture, but it really shows us more than, you know, this baby is being an inconvenience. This baby is planned. God wasn't surprised. It wasn't an accident to God that this baby is being born. And then the second passage of Scripture, um, and this is from Luke chapter 1, and it's the uh, promise from the angel to um, Zechariah uh, that his wife Elizabeth was going to have a son who would ultimately be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. But listen to what it says. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And that's Luke 1, 13-15. Now what a powerful scripture here. We see this, this baby who's, who's really, it's a prediction. The, the, the angel comes and says, you're going to have this baby. And um, prophesize these incredible things, joy and gladness. And look, I get it. You know, I've talked to moms, single moms, who, who, who find themselves pregnant and they don't have joy and gladness. They're, they're not ecstatic. They don't have a prophecy about this unplanned child that's in their womb. But at the same time, that doesn't provide a, a, uh, a reason to, to end the baby's life. Because we see here... The passage of scriptures, we see this promise before from, from God that this baby, John the Baptist, was even going to be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. So, so this is a another powerful passage looking forward to a life of destiny. And 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 I get it. I mean, sometimes moms feel trapped. It's like, what you know, what am I going to do? I can't afford this baby. And uh, you know, I think this is where we have to turn people's hearts back to God and go, no, no. There's a purpose in this. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not have intended it. But let's see what God can do when we look through the eyes of faith. And then the last one, the last passage of Scripture that I want to uh, read is uh, about Jesus himself. You know, we, we, we see the nativity scenes and we've heard the Christmas story so much that, you know, it just kind of is a little bit dull to, to kind of those are senses to kind of really think about what an incredible uh, scandal that this story was. Listen to the passages. Luke 1, 39 to 44. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb.'" Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, the sound of your greeting came to my ears, and the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Now, this is right after the angel has come to Mary and told her, a young, 
unmarried woman that she was going to be pregnant. Now, you know, there's still a touch of scandal today when, when somebody ends up pregnant out of wedlock. We don't really think that much about it today. But in the first century, this was, you could, she could have been stoned for this. And, you know, the, the idea of sitting down with her parents and trying to explain to them she's pregnant, but it's God's baby. I, I can't even imagine that conversation. But the, the, the idea that even the Son of God chose, God chose to enter the world through Jesus in this scandalous way is just an amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. But then when Mary goes to meet Elizabeth, Elizabeth is not put off by the scandal of it. Elizabeth understands that there's a purpose and a destiny to, to the child that's inside Mary. And so again, we, we've got this picture of destiny for this child. And you know, and I, like I said, I understand, you know, when you, you feel overwhelmed and you, you don't think you can afford it and it wasn't planned. And uh, look, it doesn't matter. God has a purpose. So these are three passages of Scripture that speak strongly, powerfully to the sanctity of life. And so when we look through these passages of Scripture, when we look through these lenses, we see God's hand at work with children in the womb. And we know that God has a purpose for every child. And, you know, without trying to sound harsh, the reality is uh, someone who gets an abortion doesn't doesn't just make themselves unpregnant. Now they're the mom to a dead baby. It's it's a horrible tragedy. We're we're complicating, you know, one bad situation and making it worse. Instead of looking through the filter of scripture and saying, God, what's your plan in this? And so this gives us an idea. When we talk about, when we try and you hear people just minimizing uh, abortion as a Christian, we look at it, and, and again, these are just three passages of scriptures. We could pull many more and say, what does God have to say about this important issue? Because if as a Christian, every area of my life is, is meant to be influenced by God, then what does God's word say, and then what am I going to do with that? And you know, I would challenge you to, if, if you're kind of thinking through this idea of a worldview, look at some of the other issues that, that that's popping up in society. You know, the idea of, uh, you know, gender issues, the idea of same-sex marriage, the idea of socialism versus capitalism. Uh, you know, we could just go, go right on down the line, the, the, all the social justice issues. What does the Bible have to say? And let's, instead of just listening to people scream about a particular issue, often about something they really don't know that much about, Let's get into God's Word and see what God's Word has to say, and then let that inform uh, our own decision-making process. Let that be um, a tool that uh, um, will actually help us uh, form our own Christian or biblical worldview. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there. I hope this has been helpful to you because... Really, I don't think it's something we hear that much about, having a Christian worldview, having a biblical worldview. And hopefully this at least gives you some, some tools some, as a starting point to, to really check on your own worldview and kind of see where you line up. And, uh, you know, any issue that, you know, you might feel a little conviction about, something that you're not sure of, let's get into God's Word and see 
what the principles of Scripture tell us. Well, I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave me a question or comment about today's episode. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. And we'll see you next week on Leading and Learning. Mm-hmm.